God, thank you that you've sent your only son as a seeking and saving savior. You did that for us. You did that because you love us and you care for us. You saw us stuck in our wretched sin with no way for us to save ourselves, no way to rescue ourselves, so you sent Jesus. What a time to rejoice. What a time to celebrate. What a time to party because of what your son has done. Coming in a lowly state, born in a manger. He was a king. He is the king, and he's born in a barn. Lord, thank you for the humbleness that he brought so that he could meet us in our place of sin, in our place of hurt, in our place of pain. And I know tonight there are people that are hurting. And so I pray that you'd meet them exactly where they're at. They'd be able to find joy in you. And I know there are people here that are, uh, have expectations of you working in awesome ways. Lord, I pray you meet them in their joy and in their expectation. Lord, I pray as we open your word this evening, your very word, you would go out with the life that it brings, a living and active word. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So our main scripture is what the kids read tonight. They did a great job. They did better than I do reading the scripture. You guys did an amazing job reading the scripture. Of course, it's the story of the birth of Jesus. And we believe that the birth of Jesus started the party. And so there's lots of things that are associated with the Christmas season. And I thought since we're having a party, we'll do a little decoration of someone here tonight. Uh, and you're going to get some gifts here tonight. So would someone mind helping me out? Is anybody brave enough to be a volunteer? It would be helpful as an adult. Okay, I see right there in the back. Will you come up here? Thank you for, for volunteering. Come on up here. Give it up. Good job. This is going to be awesome. You, don't know, you didn't even know what you're volunteering for, but you came on up here. So would you, uh, would you introduce yourself to everyone? <laughs> Joe, come on over here, man. All right, so there's a couple things that uh, happen in the Christmas season uh, that, that, that happen. And when we see these things, we don't often associate them with Jesus because we miss the party. And I don't want you to miss the party. And so Joe is going to be my great model here this evening so you don't miss the party. First of all, we have Christmas lights. Now, we have Christmas lights. I'm not going to plug them in because I don't want to electrocute you on Christmas Eve. But you have Christmas lights here. There you go, buddy. There you go. Maybe you want to hold on to that. There you go. We have Christmas lights. And the reason why we have Christmas lights is because Jesus is the light of the world. And so when we decorate our houses and we decorate our tree, we're acknowledging, even though sometimes we don't, that Jesus is the light of the world. Then we have bows. And bows represent that we're tied together through the goodwill of Jesus. That's why we have bows together. And so that looks good right there. There you go. We have bows that represent the goodwill that we have in Jesus. And then we have bells. I don't know where we should put this one. Bells represent, you want to put them? <laughs> bells represent uh, us calling out, ringing in the season that Jesus is born. You may never get that off. Then we have wreaths. Wreaths are round and they're, they're, they go on forever. They're everlasting to show that we can have everlasting life in Jesus. So we have all these things together and everlasting life. That's good. And then we have mistletoe. Don't worry, buddy. I'm not going to get close to you with this. 
We have mistletoe. Mistletoe can only grow when it's attached to something else. So we celebrate the Christmas season with mistletoe because we realize we only have life in Christ when we're attached to him. So maybe we can put that in the shirt pocket there. There you go. You can use that later with your bride. Then we have two more things. A candy cane. A candy cane is awesome because it represents a shepherd hook. It also is the letter J for Jesus. It also has these colors. The, the person that made the, the candy, candy cane, did these colors on purpose for the blood of Christ and the pureness that we get when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So uh, there we go. All right. And then finally, we give gifts. We give gifts just because, just like the wise men came and gave gifts to Jesus, and we give gifts to each other in a way to remember what Jesus has done. And there's actually a gift in here, and so you can take that and enjoy that later. Give it up for Joe, a man of the Christmas season. Way to go, my way to go, buddy. Now you have two choices: you can stay up here for my whole message, or you can go back to your seat. You can do whatever you want, but you get all the stuff regardless. So you can go back. <laughs> Good job, Joe. Way to go, man. Thanks for volunteering. He started the party, and the party of Jesus really is joyful. It is so much fun. All the things that we see around us, they, they point us to the party. They point us to Jesus, but we miss it, don't we? We miss it so often. He's ringing with the bell as he goes back to his seat. That's great. We miss those things. The, the little things that we see of the, of the Christmas season that are supposed to remind us of the party that we can have in Jesus the joy that he brings. There was a recent Pew study that said that only 46% of Americans consider Christmas a religious holiday anymore. We're, we're missing it, right? It reminds me of the violin player Josh Bell. Josh Bell was playing in a, um, a Washington, D.C. subway, and he was playing there, and you'll see a video here in a second, of all these people that are passing by. Josh Bell is a world-renowned musician. Uh, he was playing on a violin that cost $3.5 million. The night before he did this, he played at the Boston Pops for $100 a ticket. Watch what happened when he played in the subway in Washington. They counted 1,100 people that went by him in an hour. Seven people stopped. Seven people stopped. 1,100 went by. They didn't realize what they were going by. They didn't realize what music that they were listening to. A world-renowned musician playing an instrument that's extremely rare, only one of a kind. People that have lined up at the door to listen to this guy, and they're rushing on by. They missed it. They missed it. And I think so often in the Christmas season, we can miss it. We can miss the joy of the season. We can miss the party that Jesus brings. And so it's so good to gather together, to gather together on the evening and recognize what the party is all about. So the kids did a great job of uh, reading the, the scripture uh, that, they, that they told about the birth of Jesus. And so we're going to break it down verse by verse just for a, a few minutes here and, and talk a little about, about the impact that the party should have on our life. Because listen, you can... You can do your life without God. I mean, many people do. 
you may be sitting here tonight, maybe you're, you're doing life without God, but I want to tell you that you're missing it. I know many of you don't know me. You're here for the first time, and we're so glad that you're here. We're so glad that you're here celebrating with us, but I spent 21 years of my life without God, and I know that there's some emptiness. There's some confusion. There's some misdirection without knowing God, and so tonight I hope that you recognize that you can have a party. You can have true joy. You can have true peace through knowing Jesus. So the first few verses here. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. It was the first census that took place while Cornelius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town uh, to register. Now, this would have been a really, really big deal. And we often miss the story of how big of a deal this would have been for them to travel, for Mary and Joseph to travel pregnant uh, over 90 miles, walking through rugged terrain to an elevation of 2,700 feet. They would have walked at least four days. It was a big deal. And this ruler, Caesar Augustus, over 1,500 miles away, is ordering this decree, certainly for taxation purposes, certainly for his own gain, certainly for the government's gain. But here uh, is God using this uh, to glorify himself, to glorify the one who is to come, King Jesus. And so Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. I mean, if you think about what really happened here, you think about the humble beginnings of the King Jesus. You think he was the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He left heaven, was in a womb for nine months, and then was born in the lowest state you could imagine, surrounded by dirty animals, surrounded by uh, people that were sinners. He did that for us. He did that because he knew we needed the party, the party of his joy, the party uh, of his peace. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over, watch over their flocks at night. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you that you'll find baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. This would have been unbelievably shocking for the shepherds. The shepherds were the lowest of the low. These were people that were despised by the rest of the population. Many theologians uh, think that the shepherds that they were tending, the, uh, the, the flocks they were tending as shepherds, were actually the flocks that were going to be used as sacrifices in Jerusalem. So how good is it that the angels come to them? The people that are the outcasts, the people that are rejected, people that don't feel like they, they fit in at all, the ones that are preparing the sacrifices, the, the lambs that will be sacrificed on the altar. And the, the angel comes to them, and it says that they were terrified. I would have been terrified too. They're out in the fields, and all of a sudden an angel comes and is standing before uh, these, these men that have never uh, been asked to do anything of worth Ever, and they're the ones that are told about the coming 
of, of the Savior. It continues on here. It says, this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in, in cloths lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appear with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angel le had left and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. A couple things from the words that I just read there that we noticed. One, it says today. Today, that there, there's hope for that day. There's hope in that moment. It happened. It was a real thing that happened. And it says it happened in the city of David. That wasn't the common name for Bethlehem. But it showed that, it, that Jesus was born through the line of David, just like the prophecy said that it would in the town of David. And it says that he was born for you. And it's really interesting. In, in the Greek, the word you here is plural because it's born for you. It's born for me. It's born, he's born for us. He's born for all mankind. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. Christ the Lord essentially means that he was the Messiah God. He was the infinite uh, God-man. He was fully God and he was fully man. And he came on this earth to redeem us. And then he was wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Jesus starts the party like this. I mean, this is the king of all kings. He should have been born in a palace, right? No, he's, he's born wrapped in cloths. And then it says, suddenly and unexpectedly, the, the, angels, the angels come. And Jesus comes to, to save us suddenly and, and unexpectedly. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told. I mean, what an amazing thing for Mary and Joseph. I mean, they had been told that the Savior was going to be born to them. But you can imagine them having a little doubt about what's going on here, what it was going to look like. Now they're far away from relatives. They're far away from friends. And, and now Jesus is born. And it would have taken the next several decades to really see how Jesus was going to move and how Jesus was going to be the Savior and what that was going to be like. But in that moment, you can just imagine the confirmation. The confirmation of all the things uh, that they had heard. And then the shepherds coming and seeing the confirmation of all the things they had heard that Jesus came to start the party. And we see now, thousands of years later, the influence of Jesus in our world. The influence of all the things, all the ways that he started the party in our world. I mean, you look around at, at where we live. I mean, we live in, what, St. Augustine, Florida. It's named after a friend of Jesus, St. Augustine. You go to the other coast of Florida, and there's St. Petersburg, another friend of Jesus, Peter. You go across the country to California, and what do you see there? You see San Francisco, named after another friend of Jesus, St. Francis of Assisi. The capital of California is what? Sacramento. And it's named after the sacrament, the Eucharist, the, the Lord's Supper. Maybe you don't want to be in California anymore. You go to Texas, and what do you see there? Corpus Christi, the, the body of Christ. All around us, we see reminders of Jesus starting the party, that he came on this earth 
as a seeking and saving Savior because he loved us so dearly. I mean, when you get sick and have to go to a hospital, where do you go? Do you go to an atheist hospital? No, you go to Baptist, right? <laughs> or you go to St. Vincent's, right? We, don't, we go to these places because God's people started them at, through the model of Jesus as the ultimate healer, as the ultimate one who loves, the ultimate one who gives joy. And so God's people have been starting these places after Jesus' model. My, uh, my birthday is coming up here pretty soon. Presents are always welcome. I was born in 1980. Okay, what, what is 1980? Well, it's 1,980 years after what? The birth of Christ. See, all around us, we see that Jesus started the party, but sometimes we're moving too fast to recognize it. The pastor, John Ortberg, says, It is in Jesus' name that desperate people pray, grateful people worship, and angry people swear. From christenings to weddings to sick rooms to funerals, it's in Jesus' name that people are hatched, matched, patched, and dispatched. See, the Bible clearly teaches that eternity is written on our hearts. And I know for 21 years of my life, I didn't recognize that. I know there are people here tonight that don't recognize that Jesus is the Savior. You're skeptical. And maybe somebody in the church, somebody who is a Christian, uh, burned you. Or you saw somebody that was hypocritical. But I want to tell you that deep down in your soul, there is a God-shaped hole that only he can fill. Only he can give you joy. Only he can start that party in you. And so that's why we want you tonight to RSVP for the party. We want you to reserve your place and eternal life. And in order to do that, you need to know the gospel. Not just head knowledge, but actually believe in the gospel. We believe what the gospel is, is that there's an infinite, all-knowing God that created us and loves us dearly. But with the minds that he created in us, we think things that are ungodly. So I'll, I'll tell you right now, probably five or six times today I've thought things that were ungodly. Okay, there, we're, we're, we're sinners. We, we do things wrong. With the brains that he created us, we think things that don't honor him. With the lungs that he gave us, we say things that don't honor him. Right? Am I the only one that does this? We, we say things. If you own a car and drive a car, you say things that don't honor him, right? Some of you might be doing this as you leave the parking lot today. See, that infinite, all-knowing God that created us, and we, as we go against him, as we sin against him, he is holy, holy, holy. And when we do those things wrong against him, that's the great blasphemy of the universe. We, we've all fallen short. We've all messed up. We've all done things wrong against a holy, holy, holy God. And because of that, because God being just, because he is holy, because the, he's the king of all kings, there has to be a punishment for our sin. When our kids do things wrong, or your nephew does something wrong, or your niece does something wrong, or your grandkids do something wrong, they get punished, right? Well, we do things against God all of the time. And so we deserve punishment. I deserve punishment. But he loved us so much that instead of us being punished, he sent Jesus to be born. 
He was born in a manger. But that wasn't the end of the story. He grew up. And as he grew up, he lived a perfect life. He lived a life we could never imagine living. And then when it came time for his death, you know what he did? He said, every way that you've messed up, every way that you've messed up, every way that you've messed up, every way that I've messed up, every way that I've got fallen short, all the ways that you've fallen short, all the ways that you've sinned against God, he took them and put them on himself on the cross. Every single one of them, past, present, and future. He took them upon himself in a painful and awful and terrible death. And on the third day, he rose from the dead victorious. And he said, your sin is gone. Your sin is wiped away. Your sin is wiped away. Yes, you can clap for that. Your sin is gone. And I've given you my righteousness if you would just believe in me. And so we want you to RSVP for the party. It's the best decision that you can make. And I know you guys are going to be opening up lots of gifts tomorrow. This is the best gift you could ever open. And the way that you open it, the way that you RSVP is really simple. You don't have to go on your Evite, on your email. You don't have to go on social media. This is the way you do it. This is the way you RSVP for the party. One, the first thing is you admit that you're a sinner. I know for some of you that might be really difficult, but guess what? You're looking at the biggest sinner in the room, okay? Just because I'm up here as a pastor doesn't mean I'm some holy man. It means that I have struggles and I have difficulties just like everyone else. And without Jesus, I would have no hope for forgiveness of my sins. So listen, just join the party. It's fun. It's a sinner's party. We're all sinners. Look around you right now. Look around you right now. You're surrounded by a bunch of sinners. Merry Christmas. <laughs> We're all sinners. We just have to admit that. We just have to admit that. We just have to admit that to God, that we messed up, that we thought thoughts that were against him. We've done actions against him. The second thing that we have to do is we have to believe. The story that I just told you about the gospel is believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I know for some of you it's a scary step, but it's the only way that you can be redeemed. It's the only way that your sins can be forgiven. The third step is to commit, to commit your life and say, you know what, I'm, I'm sick of doing it my own way. I'm not going to do it my own way anymore. I'm going to do it your way now. And I'm going to mess up along the process. I'm going to fall short along the process, but I'm going to count on you to admit, believe, and commit. So I want to take a minute right now and give you a chance to do that because I know there are people in here that have never trusted in Jesus, but I want to give you a chance to do it. And what we're going to do is we're going to have everyone close their eyes in a minute. I'll tell you when. You don't have to do it right now. And we're going to pray a prayer. If you are a believer in Christ, be praying for those around you. And if you're not and you like to become a believer in Jesus Christ, that you like to be redeemed from all of your sins, that you like to be set free, you like to join the party that Jesus started, I want you to say this prayer with me in your heart, or you can say it softly aloud. And then what I'm going to have you do if you said the prayer for the first time is to raise your hand. The only person in the room that's going to see it is me. And the reason why I'm going to have you do that is because I want you to start uh, taking the step of trusting in Jesus and admitting it to someone. So I'm going to see it, and I'm going to help. I'm going to be praying for you in your growth. And if you'd like to write it on your card that you accepted Christ as your Savior, we'd love to help you grow. So let me pray for us right now. Everyone close their eyes and bow their head. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge to you that I have sinned against you in many ways. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead. I want you to come into my life and be my Savior. Forgive me of all my sins and give me the gift of eternal life. Come into my life and be my Lord. 
Help me become the person that you want me to be. In Jesus' name, everyone keep their eyes closed. If you said that prayer for the first time and you want to join the party, would you raise your hand right now? Raise your hand. Awesome. One, two, three, at least three. Any more? Anybody else? Don't be ashamed. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Four. Praise God. Five. Praise God for you. Praise God for you. Will you guys give everyone a hand for them joining the party? Praise God. That's awesome. All of you that raised your hand, I am so happy for you. It is the best decision you could ever make. If you want some help growing in your faith, write it on your card, and we'll help you grow, take a step of growth in your faith. There are a lot of questions from the story here of Jesus' birth. Maybe as you read through it, as you've been reading through it, you maybe think questions like, how was Jesus actually born? Like, did Joseph perform an emergency C-section? How loud did the angels sing? Were they whispering? Were they singing loudly? How long did it take the shepherds to actually get there? There's, there's lots of questions. But Luke wrote this version to be really simple for us so that we understood the point, so we didn't miss it, that prophecy was fulfilled, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem so that we could have a seeking and saving Savior for eternal life. Don't miss that. I know many of you have trusted in Christ long ago. Many of you have heard this Christmas story over and over and over again. Many of you have not missed a church service for decades. I want to tell you, don't, don't miss it. See, because Jesus came, we see in Scripture, he's our advocate. He, he's there for us. He's there to help us. He is our advocate. He's also our authority. And there's going to be some scriptures that come up with each of these so you can see them. He's our authority. So if we have some issues in our life we're struggling with that we don't know what to do, we can count on him. He's the bread of life. Some of you are starting to get dinner time, right? You're starting to get hungry. Well, with Jesus, he will always fulfill us spiritually. He's our deliverer. Many of you are going through things right now. You don't know how God is going to move, but he's going to deliver you in this life or the next. He's faithful and true. We can count on him for what he has done and what he is going to do in our lives. We can trust him. He's trustworthy. He's faithful and true. He's the good shepherd. He's, he's the one that we can count on in our lives to shepherd us through some of our lives' most difficult things. He's the great high priest, and because he's the great high priest, we don't have to go through anybody else to go to him. Isn't that awesome? Sometimes people will say, well, Andy, you have the red phone to God. Well, I do. And so do you as believers in Christ because of what Jesus has done. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's why it's so amazing he started the party in the way that he did. He's the light of the world. That even in the midst of all the darkness that we see in our world, he is still on the move. He is still doing something. He's doing something great in our county, in our, in our country, in our world. He's continuing to move. He's the Lamb of God. He's the ultimate sacrifice. Did you know for, for many, many centuries, people had to sacrifice a lamb for their sins? Church service would be a lot more interesting if I had to do that, right? I'm so glad we don't have to do that because of what Jesus has done as the ultimate sacrifice for us. He is the Prince of Peace in our world of chaos. Isn't it great to have peace? Isn't it great to find a place that we can find rest and goodness, and we can find that in him. He's our redeemer. He's redeemed our sins. If we put our faith in Christ, he's redeemed us from all things. That's what Jesus has done. He's the sacrifice for our sins. 
man, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. I don't have to wonder if I'm going to be accepted by God. I know because of what Jesus has done, and you can know too, that he is our Savior. For unto you this day, in the city of David, a Savior has been born, who is Christ the Lord. And finally, and listen, this, this was just a short list of many, many more things that we find in Scripture of who Jesus is. But he is the victorious one. He's claimed victory over our sin in our life. And what do you do when you claim victory? What do you do? What do victorious teams do? They party! They party! And so we should party too. We should party like victorious ones because we are in Christ. I'm so thankful that God sent a seeking and saving Savior. I'm so thankful that we're not stuck in our sin, aren't you? The birth of Jesus started the party. Let's pray together. Lord, I'm so grateful that you started the party in our hearts, that you allowed us to be able to set, be set free from our sins. Thank you so much for what you've done. Thank you for the five people that raised their hands tonight and maybe many more that just were maybe not feeling like they wanted to raise their hands. Thank you for the others in here that have put their faith in you. Thank you for those that are maybe considering doing that. I pray you speak into their hearts and realize that, that you're the one that started the party. Lord, thank you for the hope that we have in you. We know even in the midst of life's most difficult things, you are a deliverer and you are a redeemer, the victorious one. In Jesus' name, amen.